ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Thanks so much for joining me again on an episode of the No Higher Calling podcast. Um, I really enjoy every episode that I do. I just throw uh, my whole heart and soul into it, and it's easy to do that because the podcast is just an overflow of my life and what's going on and what I'm learning, what God's teaching me, what we're up to, uh, what we're enjoying. And so it's easy to just love what I do and love what I talk about. And so I hope that you enjoy it as much as I do. But these episodes are special. Um, These Bible study episodes and particularly this Psalm 23 study, the Lord has just really used it in my heart in such a great way. And it has been such an encouragement to me personally um, that I just hope that that translates to you as well. And something that I'm learning the longer that I am a homeschooling mom is one of the best ways for me to internalize and meditate and think and uh, really apply the truths that I am reading and seeing and hearing to my own heart and life is to teach that to somebody else. Um, You know, the one who has to glean and sift through the material in order to then go forth and teach it to somebody else um, is one who really masters the material. Not that I have mastered Psalm 23. I have a long way to go on that one. Um, But in trying to let this, let God's word satiate, not just my heart, um, but my heart and then making my heart a conduit of the lessons that he is trying to teach uh, as I try to help and encourage you, it's really taking it to another level. Um, so let me just throw in here. If God gives you an opportunity, or maybe uh, you just need to pray and ask for the opportunity to pass on what God is teaching you through this Psalm 23 study, or really anything that you're learning in your life that God is teaching you, ask Him for the opportunity to be a conduit of, of His grace, of His mercy, of the truth that He is sharing in your life. Don't be a sponge. Um, I heard somebody give the illustration one time about you know how a sponge just soaks up water, and if that water, if it doesn't ever get squeezed, out, um, the sponge molds and that's gross. We don't want to be a moldy sponge. Um, so squeeze that out. Look for opportunities that you can follow that Titus two model and pass on to somebody else. What God is teaching you. Maybe it's a daughter, maybe it's a son, and maybe it's conversations with your husband. Uh, maybe it is a, a teenage girl in your church. Maybe it's another mother. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know who it is. Everybody's life looks different and the people that God has put in our spheres of influence look different. Um, but just look for an opportunity to pour out because let me just say from personal experience, um, the Lord will really use what he's teaching in your life in an even greater way to a greater level um, as you seek to live out the principles, as you seek to regurgitate and give that to somebody else and to be able to put what God is doing in your mind and your heart into words. And I think that's sometimes where I kind of can hit a struggle bus because I know what God's doing in my heart. I know what he's doing in my mind. And in my mind, 
it all sounds beautiful and and well said and perfectly crafted. And then I get on here to record a podcast and I feel like sometimes I just blubber all over myself. Um, But you know, the Holy Spirit is faithful to take our small offering of bread and fish and to turn that into something that is more than enough. And so that's what I pray that he will do with these episodes, with the podcast, um, and with my life, is just take what little I have to offer and multiply it. Not for my glory, um, not so I'm remembered as you know the little boy with the bread and fish, um, but for his glory. And that his name be praised and that his truth be further proclaimed to all generations. Um, so didn't plan on all of that coming out, but it did. And like I said, the Holy Spirit leads and I follow and that's where it went. So let's jump back in to Psalm 23. I am just going to read it and then we'll kind of go through our normal little intro, recapping and and talking specifically about what God has given me for today. So Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever." This psalm is just so beautiful, Um, and and I am a literature lover. We've been really studying a lot of poetry in our homeschooling with my children, Um, so I feel like even more so recently, I've gotten such a greater appreciation um, for poetical language, and the Bible is just beautiful. It's beautifully written. Um, This is another conversation for another time, but I'll just address it really quick here as I'm thinking about it. I have people ask me often, um, you know, we have made it pretty clear that we are a KJV family, that we use the King James Version of the Bible. I've had a lot of people ask me why. There is a much longer, more detailed answer on that. If you actually want some of that, my husband has done some on a podcast that he did answering that question. Um, So I can send that to you if you're interested, and I hope to have him on here to address that one day because he really studied it out and it helped me so much getting clarity. Um, But all that to say, uh, in talking about the language in this psalm here, the King James Version um, is a version of the Bible for the English-speaking world, Um, you know, credibility aside, just looking at the English vernacular, it is such a more highly intelligent English. Um, yeah, some of these words we don't use. We don't say restoreth. Um, some of that is different now. Um, but it is because our language has degraded. And something that I see, in, not in all, um, but in some of the more modern translations, is that in order to make it, uh, you know, quote unquote, more easily understood, it has really watered down the beauty of the English language and taken away from that beautiful um, poetical literature from that English language. So anyway, uh, another rabbit trail here, (laughs) but I am just thankful for my KJV Bible and for the beauty that is in the wording, um, but but even greater than that, the beauty that is in the message behind all of it. 
So let me just say here at the beginning, if you're just jumping into this, you haven't listened to any of these episodes, what is going on? I'm talking about this being a series. Okay, so it is. Uh, We have been doing on the podcast for the past couple of years, one episode a month is a Bible study episode. Um, So last year we went through the book of Titus. The year before that we studied uh, through Respectable Sins, which was kind of a springboard off of a book that I had read. This year we are digging deep into Psalm 23, and Simeon and I are hard at work uh, figuring out and planning and preparing for next year's. Because let me just tell you, uh, these take work. It's a labor of love. I have to pour myself into study, into gleaning personally, and then like I said, getting that in a way that I can uh, reproduce that for you. Um, But it's a worthy work. I'm so thankful that I get the opportunity to do that. But we have been going through this Psalm 23 study. We are nearing the end here. Out of six verses, we are on verse number five. We have a few more that we'll go through as we wrap up this year. Um, But this has been great. So if you have missed the other ones, go back in the podcast archives. Uh, All of these start with Psalm 23, a dash, and then what the topic is, what the portion of the verse that we're covering. So hopefully they should be easy to find. Um, But go back, look for those, listen to all of them, um, join in in the future ones coming. As we wrap up this study, I know that it will help your heart because I know that it has helped mine. Um, And again, as I do in every episode, as we start here, you know, the premise of this entire passage really hinges on that first verse. And that is the phrase that the Lord is my shepherd. And let me just say all that I'm learning, all that I'm gleaning, I have been able to do because he is my shepherd because he is my savior, because he has given me the Holy Spirit in my life, uh, in my heart, working, illuminating his word to me, giving me understanding. You know, when I come to the Bible and I'm reading and I'm praying, God, help me to, to glean what you want me to glean. Help me to understand it. Help me to then take all of that and apply it and put it into practicality in my life. That is able to happen because the Lord is my shepherd. We've been learning in school, John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. He knows me because I am his sheep and I hope that I am following him. Um, you know, I we all are still sinners even though we have received salvation. If that is something you've done, if you've prayed and asked Christ to forgive you from your sin and trust in him as your Lord and Savior, um, resting in his finished work on the cross. Uh, We have been forgiven from our sin, but that does not mean that we will not sin anymore. Um, But the Lord is always so faithful to forgive and to get us right back on the path and following again in his way. But if you do not know that the Lord is your shepherd, um, reach out to somebody that that does, that you have uh, confidence that they have assurance of their salvation so that you can speak to them. Um, If you don't have that person, I know this is more of a virtual relationship type thing, but I would love nothing more than to hear from you and to try to help you and share what God's done in my life and scripture on what he wants to do in your life, how he can give you um, just a bedrock, peaceful assurance of your eternity, of your soul salvation, that your sins are forgiven. Um, you can reach out to me on Instagram at nohighercalling underscore. You can email me at nohighercallingpodcast at gmail.com. 
Okay, I'm not going to recap any more than that, um, but we are just going to jump right in today to the phrase, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You know, as I've been looking through this psalm, I'm very familiar, especially with those first two verses. Um, very familiar with that. Pretty familiar with verse three. Verse four, I'm familiar with just um, because of funerals and different things that I've been to where that's been a topic that has really been heavily spoken on. Then we come to verse five. Let me come back to verse five. You know, then you get to verse six. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a strong verse. That's a great verse. That's a happy verse. We want to claim that verse and it's the last verse. Um, so it, it is familiar in my mind. But as I look at verse five, um, you know, there's sometimes when you're reading scripture that you're very in tune and alert at the beginning. Ah, uh, then you get a little hazy in the middle and then, oh, I'm getting to the end. You wrap it up strong. And I think maybe that's where I came to with this verse. I have never really thought too much about verse five. In this episode, we're talking about thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Next episode, sneak peek, we'll be talking about thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Um, These have been kind of verses that I just read, pass through, Let's get to the surely goodness and mercy part. Um, But God has something for us here, and we're going to dig in. And um, I really think that this will bless you, and I hope that it will, um, because the Lord has blessed it in my life as I have looked into this phrase of Him preparing a table before us in the presence of of our enemies. And really, this whole episode um, is just a call to come to that table. Come to the table that he has prepared for you. So we're just going to take this word by word. I use Blue Letter Bible um, in a lot of my word studying with scripture. So I just broke this apart. Um, So this was written in Hebrew language. So I took the English and I just went through word by word. Okay, what was it in Hebrew? What did it mean? Because sometimes you think you know what something means. um, And then you look into a, a deeper definition, deeper understanding, comparing scripture with scripture. And you realize, oh, that was a little bit more different than what I thought. And that's kind of what I came to with this. So let's just go through these words, find out what God's intent was, and then have some recapping lessons that we can learn. So thou preparest. This means in in the Hebrew um, definition, it means to arrange, to set, put, or lay in order, to prepare, to ordain. Um, As I was comparing other times that that Hebrew word was used throughout scripture, um, it also oftentimes wasn't found um, in our English language as preparest, um, but it was actually found to lay in order. So a lot of times in the Bible, when you would come to the phrase to lay in order, it was also the same Hebrew word that was used here for thou preparest. Again, meaning to arrange, set, put, lay in order, to prepare, to ordain. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try to keep myself from jumping ahead. Let's just work through these words and then I'll come back and dig a little deeper because I, I think I need to get through all of these to give a full context. So we have thou preparest. Then we have a table. So this actually referred to of a king's table, private use, sacred use. 
So this table is more than just, you know, like I said, when I took it at face value, I'm thinking of just like a wooden table, you know, tabletop, four legs. Um, but then when I got into this definition, these words, this king's table, a table of private use, a table for sacred use. We'll come back to that. Thou preparest a table before me. This before me had um, a a translation of an idea of with preparation, laid out before time. Then we have in the presence of. So this is in front of, straightforward, in sight of, mine enemies. Mine enemies was uh, those who are a cause of distress, someone showing hostility towards, something that is vexing, harassing, binding, besieging. Okay, so let's take all of that and let's combine it. And okay, what, what, what point am I trying to make here other than just a dictionary lesson? Um, let's combine this. So he prepares, he lays in order. Um, and this, is, this is a previous work. And we've talked about that before, about how the shepherd goes before us. He is always before us. You know, God is not bound by a timeline like we are. You know, we have before, we have after, we have present, uh, future, um, you know, past. God doesn't have that. God exists out to, outside of time, which is very difficult for our minds to comprehend. Um, but he prepares ahead of us before we are in the midst of our enemies, desperate for the nourishment that his table will provide. He's already been there. He has already established this place of rest, this place of, of nourishment, this place of, of dependency on him where he gives the refreshment that we so desperately need. He's prepared that. And he lays it in order. God does everything decently and in order. I love that verse. I think it's just because it so deeply resonates with my personality. I like things done decently and in order. Um, you know, actually in our kitchen, uh, we have a little island that's kind of in between like my cooking area and our dining area. And on that, I have printed out a little page for my children. I have it laminated. It is sticky tacked up onto that island right at their eye level. Um, but it's meal preparation. So before a meal and after a meal, specifically in regards to some of their jobs, which is to set the dining table. So what do we need to do before? A couple simple tasks. We need to make sure that the kitchen dining area is tidy. If there's toys, which is really not supposed to be toys, we kind of try to have that rule, no toys in the kitchen. It's a, it's a safety hazard when mommy's trying to cook. Um, but we try to, you know, if there's anything that needs tidied, if school's on the table, get that off. Tidy up, wash your hands, and then set the table. And I have a little diagram of an order in which we set the table. Then on the other uh, half of the page, uh, we have, okay, after dinner, what do we do? You know, we clear away our dishes. We throw away any trash. Uh, we wipe the table. We put our drinks away. Just a few little things to help them as they're young and they're learning, but yet they are so highly capable of being involved and being a helping part of the family. It's just a little visual reminder to help them tick their way through the process of what needs to happen. Um, again, coming back to the decently in an order, there is an order into laying a table. Why do we do that? What, what is the point? Why did I share all of that with you? Um, the point is I want to myself, and as I instruct my children, I want to teach them to take loving care in the way that we lay the table. 
Why is that? Um, Because some of the most beautiful moments of our family life, of our ministry life, as we minister through hospitality, happen around our table, around food. Um, We've talked about hospitality so many times on the podcast, more episodes coming in the future. Um, I actually have an episode specifically that I want to tackle on the family table, Um, But I mentioned before, so much of Christ's ministry, so much of his fellowship, his connecting, his discipleship was centered around the table, around food. And so I think that it shows those who we are serving, those whose needs we are trying to meet um, through something like food, through just regular physical nourishment. Setting a table in order, putting love and care into that is just another little piece of saying, I care about you. I love you. I have taken my time to stop and try to do something to make you comfortable, to make you feel welcome, to make you feel special to me. Now, you know, I I get it. I'm a mom. I'm a mom of littles. You're probably a mom of littles. And you're like, I highly doubt that when my child, you know, my two-year-old sits down and sees a full yummy plate and a fork and a full cup, that they sit there and think, oh, my mommy thinks I'm special. She filled my cup and here's my fork and spoon laying beautifully on my napkin. No, I don't know that that thought has ever crossed my kids' minds. And you know what? It may never. Um, But it is part of the joy that I receive in not just serving my family, but in serving the Lord, I get the joy because I know that I am putting love and care into that. Okay, so let's bring this back to Psalm 23. How much more does the Lord receive joy when he so lovingly and with such affection and desire to sit down with us, to sup with us, to commune with us, to, to connect, to disciple, to share his heart, to meet us, to meet the needs of our physical, of our emotional, of our spiritual, as he prepares this table, as he vests himself into the preparation of this table, and not just any table, a table that is laid in the presence of our enemies. When we come to this table... We're going to need the nourishment he provides. We are not going to be at our best physically, spiritually, and emotionally. He knows that. And he puts even more love and even more tenderness and more care into the preparation of this table to prepare, to lay in order, to ordain, to arrange with love, with anticipation of the time that he will spend in fellowship with you over this table. You know, the table, the the cutlery, the plating, the food even, all of that is a means to an end. You know, the plate and the fork is there to get the food in the body so that the body can get the energy that it needs. And then we're just going to do it all over again in a few hours. But the greater picture here is, is the connecting That is what he provides as he prepares this table, as he sits, and as he so faithfully, once again, shows himself as our protector and as our provider. So then we go on to the table. So this, again, was the king's table of private use, of sacred use. You know, as I was comparing the word here, the Hebrew word used for table, and seeing other times that it was used, um, I, I... I kind of stopped looking because there were so 
many scripture verses in Exodus. I didn't get past Exodus and Leviticus. Um, there's just so many and I couldn't write them down anyway. And the podcast didn't have time for me to go through them. So after I scrolled for a while, I was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm getting something I can speak on here. We're going to just stop in Exodus and Leviticus. Um, so it may go on far beyond that. But almost every instance of this word in Hebrew table used found in Exodus and Leviticus, it was talked about the table that was used in the tabernacle. So a part of that furniture that laid the framework for the diagram of the tabernacle, uh, and this table had a had a very important purpose. You know, sometimes we have, um, you know, it, the entryway table and, and maybe it has purpose. Maybe it is your catch-all um, and it's the place where your keys land or maybe it's just decorative and to some people that's a purpose. Um, I'm a little more practical and functioning. So if, if it's just going to collect dust and have like figurines on it that collect dust, it's not serving me. It is actually doing the opposite. It is providing more for me to dust. Uh, so we're going to give it a more practical purpose. Now, also on the extreme, you know, I don't want it to be a catch-all for everything. I don't want it to be a junk heap, especially if it's in our entryway. Um, but there's all different reasons that you might have a table. Um, but but this table in the tabernacle had a very specific purpose. As it was really a tool, it was a part of the worship of Christ, as it was a part of the worship of, of Jehovah, of Yahweh, of God, uh, there was a, a use for that table. The priests use it. Uh, it was included in the the worship. It was necessary. It was needed. It was not a piece of furniture that was just happenstance put in. Oh, I think a table would look good in this corner. Um, no, God wanted that table there. And it was a part of their worship. It was a part of their gathering. And I think that it just beautifully ties into here what I was saying about the preparing. This table, this, this is a this is the king, the king of kings table. This table is for private use. It's not just for anybody to, to sit down at. The table that he is preparing is a table for you, for you and for him. It is a, it is a private use. It is a sacred use. Now there are other times, you know, one day we will all have uh, the, you know, the supper of the lamb in heaven um, where we are all at the banqueting table together. And that will not be a table of private use. No, it will be a table of somewhat exclusive use for those who have trusted Christ as their savior. Um, but many will be at that table. But this is a table that is for you and him. Um, it, it is the king's table. It is of private use and it is sacred. It is a, a very special, intimate thing um, that he has put preparatory work into that he has laid for you. He has done it before you. He's done it with preparation. He's done it before time. We talked about that, about God going before. In the presence of, so in front of, straightforward, in the very sight of your enemies. What is your cause of distress? Maybe it's who is your cause of distress. Who or what shows hostility towards you, vexes your soul, harasses you, binds you, keeps you 
held back, always focusing and thinking and feeling like you can't get freedom from this enemy who, who is besieging you. You know, the, the, when I think of besieging, I am thinking of, of an all affront attack continuously. Um, you know, I my son loves knights and the medieval time and all of that. And, you know, you've got your big stone castles and they have uh, the, the wooden door that's kind of on the drawbridge and you see the enemies coming with those big, like, battering ram uh, logs, and they're just besieging, you know, boom, 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 trying to knock that door down so the enemy can get in and defeat um, defeat those on the inside. And, and I, that's what comes to my mind when I saw this word besiege. I was like, that's just such a good, um, you know, a war word. Um, but... You know, the reality is we often have things in our life that besiege us. Um, it could be it could be Satan, it could be the world, it could be our very own flesh that is binding, that is besieging us, our sinful flesh. Um, you know, maybe it is generational sins that you struggle with that anger that just keeps pounding at the door. You're trying to resist. You're trying to not yield into that temptation, but there it is, besieging you, binding you, harassing you, vexing you. You know, and it's in front of, in sight of, is where God sets this table. My kids and I recently finished reading the allegory Hind's Feet on High Places. And there were instances where, um, so the main character is much afraid, and boy does she have her enemies that show hostility and vex and harass. Um, a lot of those are characters that are in her family. We've got pride, um, you know, you've got bitterness, these different characters that come up. Um, but they besiege, they bind, they harass her. But when the shepherd comes. When she calls for the shepherd, he is there in an instant. He is meeting her needs. He is ministering to her. And where do you find her enemies? In a few cases, they completely flee. But there are a few where they linger back in the shadows and they're watching. They're watching and they are brooding that this weak little much afraid who they almost had in their clutches is being so lovingly tended to by the shepherd. Um, but I, I just think that, that that is amazing. You know, there have been times in my life where, and sometimes you feel like enemy is a strong word, especially if uh, the thing that is vexing your soul is a person. Um, but there have been times where there have been people that have vexed my soul. And it has felt like an enemy attack. And, you know, what, what do we want to do in our flesh? We want to retaliate. We want to shout from the rooftops. I, you know, this, this is my perspective. I'm innocent. Why are you badgering me? What is going on? Um, but it's in those times that the Lord has challenged me with Christ's response. What did Christ do? When all of the Pharisees were just besieging him, he held his tongue. He answered not again. He trusted in the fact that in God's time that he would make all things right. And I, that's what I see here. How on earth, when we are facing all of this intense battle from our enemies, can we sit down in the pred like they, you could see them. You can see them watching you at this table. How can you, first of all, how can you sit down? But beyond that, how can you have the fortitude and the strength to eat? You know, when I am 
feeling just weary in soul by the spiritual warfare that is around me, I often don't have an appetite. Um, there was a season where we just faced intense spiritual attack and it was difficult for me to sleep. It was difficult for me to eat. Some of those basic necessities just became so empty and stale um, because there was just a, a lack of zest for, for life and for good things because it felt like they were absent in my life. Um, but it, it, you know, it is because of the shepherd that we can do this. Because he has done all the work. All we have to do is just sit down and eat. And he stays there with us. He communes with us. He's there. And in in him, we find everything we need. In the midst of the battle, the Lord will meet your needs, feeding your soul and ministering to you. And, you know, I just think it's really interesting. I was listening to something someone else was talking about on this, and it was saying how it connects verse four and five. You know, so in verse four, we're talking about the valley of the shadow of death. I will feel no evil. And then we come to the preparing of the table. And it was, he was talking about how this eating after death was oftentimes in scripture, God's proof of complete healing. You know, we have several cases where um, someone was raised from the dead and the proof that, oh, they weren't a ghost or something was that they ate. They did something very physical. Um, And so I just think that it's so beautiful to show here that God provides the nourishment that we need even after our darkest valleys. When you feel like there is no life left within you, Eat. There's proof that there is healing found in Christ um, from the table that he provides. And, and I don't necessarily just mean physical food. I mean, yeah, there's a there's a point where that's important. You know, when I was going through my valley, I needed the nourishment of physical food. You cannot um, resist that forever. Our bodies were not made that way. But we also need not neglect the spiritual food that we need, God's word, fellowship with him, communing with him. That's the only way that we will be strong enough to fight these enemies. If we neglect that, we will emaciate to the point that we will not be strong enough to be victorious over our enemies, to continue this battle, to continue fighting. We have to have that nourishment. And I just want to close with this one last thought. Um, and, and this was something that an evangelist, uh, Brother Scott Pauley, I've referenced him before in this study. He did a study on Psalm 23. But he shared this, and it just cut to the heart. What a tragedy when Christ prepares a table for me, yet I don't stop and grumble about my weariness as I walk by. Just let that settle in for a minute. So get this picture in your head. You know, I'm picturing it now, and I'm actually picturing um, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, Narnia, where they've got that big, like, feasting table, and everything's laid out, and, you know, all the kings are asleep, and it's grown over, and <laughs> it's it's just uh, wasting away. All that effort is just at, at loss. Um, you know, another picture that's coming into my mind is uh, the scene of Miss Havisham's wedding feast um, from Charles Dickens' Great Expectations. Same idea here. A wedding feast was prepared. A joyous thing was prepared. The table, the food, the clothes even. She's still in her wedding dress, but here we find her decades later. Um, 
you know, I'm not going to tell you the story behind all of that of why, but she's frozen in time, literally. Decades later, she's an old woman now, and here she is in this ratty, moth-eaten wedding dress. You know, the the food is molded and spoiled, um, you know, decades ago, and here it still sits, rats everywhere. You get this just nasty picture of a table that was not used for its intended purpose. Um, Don't let that be the table that God sets for you. He knows that you're weary. He knows what you're fighting. And then that's why he goes to such great lengths to prepare this table with such care, with such order, with such uh, preparation. What a tragedy <laughs> when he goes to all of, all of this effort, sitting there waiting for us. Our chair is there. The table is set. And we don't stop. And we just walk right on past, oftentimes without even acknowledging his presence, the presence of the shepherd. And as we walk past, we mumble about how weary we are, about how tired we are, about how we just don't have anything left to fight the enemies that we face. That's not where he wants to leave us. We all come to that valley of the shadow of death. We come to weary places, but we aren't intended to stay there. We aren't intended to wallow there. Life has valleys, but life has mountaintops too. And you know, it is in the darkest valleys we talked before. It is in the darkest valleys that often you can find some of the brightest stars. You know, we are living in Australia now. And I told Simeon, I have never seen more beautiful skies. I don't know if it's just because of our position in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, Somebody said maybe it's because we have less pollution in our air than in the States. I don't know what the reason is. But our skies are breathtaking. But, you know, it's the darker the night, the brighter the star the brighter the moon. Uh, We can actually see Venus from here, which is gorgeous. Um... But you have to have that dark sky to see the star. And so don't get so bogged down in your valley that you forget to look up and see the loving shepherd who has prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Take the time. Sit down with him. Take the refreshment that he is offering. Regain your strength And continue fighting because he is worthy and the shepherd walks with us every step of the way. I hope that the No Higher Calling podcast has been a blessing to you. If so, please subscribe, share with your friends, and engage with me on Instagram at nohighercalling underscore. You can also subscribe to receive the No Higher Calling encouragement email on my website, which is www.nohighercalling.org. This includes podcast notes, what I'm reading, spiritual encouragement, a glimpse into my home, and some of my favorite products and resources. You can also enjoy more content on the No Higher Calling YouTube channel. I pray that this podcast will encourage you to fall more in love with Jesus and to be the Christian woman he's called you to be. Thanks for listening.